True Sons and Daughters, I'm John Miller, and this is Locked on Mizzou, your destination for partisan Missouri Tigers football and basketball talk. And you know what? Sometimes we don't even always talk football and basketball, but there will always be a Mizzou connection, just like in our later segment, we're going to talk about the Titan games. Yes, Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock, his new show. Well, former Mizzou wrestler Tyron Woodley was on the Titan game, so I have some thoughts on that show and Tyron's performance in general. But first, you know what? We got some semi-breaking Mizzou news to get into a little bit. Daniel Robledo, a defensive end from East Los Angeles Community College, has verbally committed to Missouri, six foot five, two hundred and eighty pounds. And honestly, my first thought when Mr. Robledo, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, I'm a professional broadcaster, everybody. But no, the first thing I thought of was, man, that's big for a defensive end. But you know what? According to his former coach at East LA Community College. He sounds like he should be versatile enough to play multiple positions and in multiple techniques. So the 280 pounds, well, maybe he won't be a defensive end primarily. Who knows? And also, to be honest, one of Ryan Walter's preferred defenses last year, I'm not sure if this maybe had something to do with the lack of production from the defensive end position in terms of pass rush, but often he would put a linebacker and a safety each on the outside of the two defensive ends. And so in that case, maybe you need more of a 3-4, what would be considered a 3-4 style defensive end, maybe a larger man who's playing more inside, trying to be more of a gap control player as opposed to a guy who just explodes and gets after the quarterback at all costs. Who knows? But you know what? Quite frankly... At this point, an Eli I trust, and our coaching staff I trust. I I really doubt that they would take on a guy who was out of shape or something. It's not as though Daniel looked out of shape on his commitment video or anything. So, I don't know, maybe just 280 pounds. That just really shocked me for that position, to be quite honest. But apparently he's really agile. So, you know what? Maybe we found a diamond in the rough here. But speaking of his commitment video... I think there's something that we need to retire. Well, there's many things that we need to retire from these commitment videos, but how about the phrase, I'm taking my talents? <laughs> Can we please stop saying that? It's now been 10 years since the decision, and really this is the enduring legacy of LeBron James, the decision special with Jim Gray, is this whole thing where kids are still saying, I'm taking my talents to fill in the blank enough with that. It's been done. It's time to retire. And you know what? Speaking of linemen who are possible future players in Columbia, Michael Myslinski, an offensive lineman recruit. Well, he was, I just thought it was interesting. One of the questions that he was asked over on Power Mizzou was if he's been in touch with any of the other Tiger recruits for the 2021 class. And the first guy he mentioned you guessed it, Tyler Macon. I'm telling you, there's just something about Tyler Macon. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think he's going to be a good one, and it sure seems like he's solidly in the fold for the Tigers. And also on the positive side for the future, 
Eli Drinkwitz was on a Zoom call earlier today, and it sure see he sure had some really, really high praise for two of our new upperclassmen transfer receivers, Kiki Chisholm and Damon Hazelton. Of course, Hazelton, you may remember, Virginia Tech transfer, played some good ball for the Hokies back in the day. And Kiki Chisholm, who is a smaller college transfer, but boy, he looked really good on film. I have to say I was impressed with his size and his ability from that X receiver position all the way over there on the left boundary of the football field. But, you know, Eli was saying he might have some NFL potential, and I don't think he would say that lightly. So here's to hoping that Kiki's junior college, Division Two, whatever his film was, let's hope that translates to the higher level. And so far it certainly seems like the coaching staff expects him to be a player immediately this fall. And you know what? Speaking of this fall, that's the big question, right? Are we going to have football this fall or not? And the Clemson Tigers, another Tigers, they asked their fans, I think probably season ticket holders, alums, I'm not really sure who they sent this survey out to, but one of the questions they asked their fans, their alums, was, would you rather have football in the spring with fans or in the fall without fans and I'd be I'd be really interested to hear what all of you would prefer would you rather have it in the spring with fans or in the fall without fans well if you're going to ask me if this is a purely hypothetical question then I could see why somebody might take spring football with fans a little bit more back to normal we all like tailgating and actually being out with our fellow Mizzou fans, being in the stands, or at least I know I do anyway. I'll, I'll speak for myself here, but I'm guessing if you're listening to this show, you probably feel much the same way. But I think the reality is, I think you have to, if those are the options, if it's play, play in the fall without fans or realistically see what happens in the spring, I think you just have to play without fans in the fall. I'm not sure... If that's something that we can do, and, and as I've said over and over again, I don't see why you can't do that, I think you have to do it. I don't think that you can risk putting this thing off until the spring when, frankly, maybe nothing will have changed. And if you're really worried about it, you about the COVID virus, you might be saying, well, heck, it might have spread worse. It, it, there could be a second wave, a third wave. So the point is, is the farther you look out into the future, of course, the more uncertainty there is. So to me, you're at least salvaging something. You're at least salvaging some kind of a season, and frankly, just money-wise, almost every athletic department throughout the country needs football to happen in one fashion or another. And so much of that, obviously you're going to take a hit by not having fans, but not having football at all. That TV money not coming in, now that's an utter disaster. And frankly, I just don't see how that's something that you can risk. So to me, the question is obvious. If those are my two options, then we should play now and do it without fans. Or at the very least, limited fans, right? And you know what? If we do play football this fall, certainly the schedule is going to look quite a bit different. And coming up after the break, I want to talk about maybe how we need to readjust our expectations a bit for Eli Drinkwitz's first season. Now, if I had told you before this season started, especially when 
Eli Drinkwitz was first hired before all of this COVID fiasco, that whole thing began. And I told you that he was going to win four games in his first season as the Mizzou head football coach. Well, you'd probably be pretty deeply disappointed about that. And I wouldn't blame you. But of course, our world has gotten very, very weird since Eli was hired, has it not? So, frankly, almost no matter what happens this fall, to me, Eli is getting getting a pass, really. I mean, almost no matter what, truly. I mean, if we literally went 0-8, let's say. I, I don't Again, I don't know how many games are going to be played, obviously. And neither do you. Neither does anyone. So, let's say it is eight games, though. And let's say it's an eight-game SEC-only schedule. Well, if you went four and four in that, that'd be pretty solid, wouldn't it? Especially for a first-year coach who's had little to no opportunity to see his new players actually play football and throw on the pads, actually throw the ball, kick the ball, catch the ball, block and tackle, all that good stuff. What, did we have three or four spring workouts before everything got shut down? So to me... We all have to readjust our expectations, like wildly, and not just based on the numbers, too. Because, you know, again, if 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 Eli went four and four, maybe eight and four overall, that would be considered a tremendous success. So again, let's just keep in mind that, yeah, maybe maybe if he goes three and five, let's say in a maybe even two and six, but there's a couple close losses in there. Obviously, that'd be disappointing. But let's not throw Eli Drinkwitz under the bus immediately because, again, this is the weirdest season in our lifetimes, without a doubt. Nothing has ever been weirder than this. So while usually the honeymoon period for a new coach lasts until his first loss, I think in this really bizarre circumstance, we should extend that honeymoon period, frankly, all the way until the 2021 season. And by 2021 season, I mean the following season, not just playing this year in the spring, of course. All right. The second segment, it's going to be a little short. I hate to say it. I mistimed it. It's on me. What are you going to do? But we learn and we move on. So with that said, I want to talk about Tyron Woodley and the Titan games after this final break. I'll be honest. This past week's episode of the Titan Games is, in fact, the first episode I've ever seen. I was I was curious to see former Mizzou wrestler Tyron Woodley, of course, not only because he's a Tiger, but, well, quite honestly, he's just about the same age I am. We both graduated in 2005. We had a large lecture class together. I just remember, I was like, oh, who's this guy in the Letterman jacket? And I ended up figuring out who he was, of course. So, I don't know, just... Always been following Tyron Woodley's career from a distance, so obviously cool to see what he did in UFC and need to see him getting some face time on network television with none other than Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I tell you, when that show starts, speaking of The Rock, one thing that jumped off the page at me is that he's co-producing the show with Danny Garcia, who is in fact none other than The Rock's ex-wife. Yes, that's right. The Rock is such a likable, charismatic guy. 
that even his ex-wife will still be his business manager and partner for all intents and purposes. Now, if you've never seen the Titan games before, as I had not until this week, it appears the premise is basically, I don't know, two or three amateur athletes, for lack of a better term, go through some American Gladiators-style strength and endurance competitions. It's all somewhat gimmicky, but kind of fun, too. It is sort of American Gladiators-like, for sure, if you remember that show from the early mid-90s. But And then the why Tyron is there is because, well, he's the pro-athlete, essentially, that whoever the winner of the competition is will go against in the Mount Olympus Challenge, you know, essentially your your final obstacle course. Again, a very very much an American Gladiators ripoff in, in some ways. But one thing that stood out is when The Rock was standing next to Tyron Woodley, he made him look small. And Tyron Woodley is not a tiny guy by any stretch of the imagination, but it just struck me that The Rock is probably the strongest guy among all the competitors on the show, the biggest guy among all the competitors on the show, and yet hey, he's just dapping people up and shouting words of encouragement. Frankly, The Rock is so charismatic and lovely <laughs> that he's even you don't even really need the other lovely person in the, in the room, Carrie Champion, who's a fine broadcaster, again, a, a very beautiful woman, but I didn't really need her and that other dude there. We've got The Rock. Why do we need these other people? I guess, in theory, you need commentators explaining the rules to newbies like myself, but I don't know. Just give The Rock a microphone. That, that's, my, that's one of my notes for the show. But I will say another thing, just a, a quick aside about Tyron Woodley. By the way, he was a two-time wrestling All-American at Mizzou and a former UFC welterweight champion. To me, he's really the face of a changing sport for me in a lot of ways because you know I've I'm definitely a casual UFC fan I've been watching a lot of the pay-per-views lately with my brother-in-law well you know in large part because there's nothing else going on but I certainly will watch the bigger UFC fights on occasion get them with some friends that kind of deal but one thing I've noticed just as a casual observer there's just so much more standing and striking now compared to what there used to be and Tyron Woodley in particular, his last couple fights, I didn't see a lot of wrestling from him. And that's just, that's a change for me. He's just he's all about the striking now. Now, I don't know if this is and that just seems like the whole sport is going this way, just much less of the Brazilian jiu-jitsu and wrestling focus and it's much more let's stand up and fight. And maybe a lot of the fans, the majority of fans like that. And I think this may even be I don't know if this is – I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is this a a dictate from Dana White, the owner of UFC, the head of UFC from on high to have more exciting fights, or is just this the way the sport is naturally evolving? Either way, maybe I'm alone here, but I frankly really enjoy the variety of fighting that was in the UFC, the diversity of – the Brazilian jiu-jitsu styles, and all that good stuff. But, you know, just the various ways that you could finish a fight and the various ways that a person could be in danger. And I don't know, I just I miss the, the wrestling aspect, the jiu-jitsu aspect. I'm just missing that from UFC a little bit, but I have a feeling I might be in the minority on that particular opinion. And unfortunately for Tyron Woodley, 
like his last couple UFC fights, well, he got destroyed pretty good in the Titan Games by the amateur athlete. In fact, this guy was a high school agriculture teacher from a small town in North Carolina, a fellow named Will Sutton, who was definitely strong for sure, short and a little stubby, but don't let that fool you. He definitely had some guns on him, and he was definitely corn-fed for sure. And it was funny, The Rock at one point said, one of the most deceiving athletes I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that's what they say about all short white guys, isn't it? He would have fit in perfectly on the New England Patriots, I am sure. And quite frankly, young Mr. Will Sutton put about as good of a beating on Tyron Woodley in the Titan games here as Jorge Masvidal did on Tyron's good buddy Ben Askren. I, I really hate to say it. And it was funny, at the end, Tyron was absolutely exhausted. He even said, I was toast. But you know what? He seemed to take it in stride, though. He's a good sport and, you know, kind of jokingly said, I'm coming for you, Will Sutton, you know, that kind of deal. But, you know, obviously there's something called Titan game shape because I'm sure Tyron Woodley can get in, could get in the ring and go for five, go for five, five minute rounds like he has to in title fights. And, and Will Sutton, I'm sure, could not do that. But just like there's fighting shape and there's football shape, and there's basketball shape. Well, apparently, like I said, there is Titan game shape as well. So I don't know if Ty- Tyron gets to come back when you're defeated as the, the pro athlete in the, on the Mount Olympus. You do get to come back and try to compete, work your way back. So hopefully we'll see some more of Tyron maybe winning sometime soon on NBC. But you know what? After watching the Titan games, I couldn't help myself. I had to pop open YouTube And check out an old episode of The American Gladiators. I mean, this was the most 1992 thing I've ever seen. Just the over the top red, white, and blue patriotism. You know, this, we're talking Iraq War One time, Operation Desert Storm, just to give you a memory of where we were back then. But I tell you, The American Gladiators, it really did have everything tennis ball, guns over-the-top patriotism, and steroids. Oh, you bet there were just tons and tons of steroids, which, again, 1992. This is very much that era. And also just the names of the competitors. Laser, Turbo, Siren, Diamond, Electra, Storm. It's just all so dripping with 90s. I, I just loved every second of it. I really do. And speaking of Turbo... At one point, again, these American, the American gladiators are just a bunch of roided up meatheads that are often twice the size of the amateur competitors that they're going against. But despite that fact, Turbo is, before he's going on the, remember the swinging, like the, the men's gymnastic rings? Well, in American gladiators, there's a whole bunch of those rings, and you essentially swing yourself across, and then you try to get the other guy off his rings. That's essentially the contest. Well, before Turbo got on his rings, he's pumping up the crowd to start chanting for him. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. That's the, that was one of the problems with American Gladiators. We were supposed to love the American Gladiators. So what? I'm supposed to root for the giant meathead to beat the crap out of the sanitation employee from Tuskegee? 
I'm sorry, that, that just doesn't quite compute. The David and Goliath math just isn't working out there for me. But you know what? If you want to root for Turbo, you do you, I suppose. But my favorite part of American Gladiators, back when I was a nine-year-old, in fact remains my favorite part today as a 37-year-old man. And that is something called Assault. Now, first of all, none of these names would fly in 2020, let's be honest. First of all, Assault, yeah, that's not happening. But in Assault, basically one American gladiator has a tennis ball cannon that is firing as Larry Zonka, yes, that's right, the running back Larry Zonka was providing commentary on this show. But as Larry helpfully told us, these tennis balls were being fired in excess of of 100 miles an hour. So yeah, those things were going to sting a little bit, especially if it caught you in the jaw or something. But in assault, you just run from station to station trying to avoid being smoked by a tennis ball while you yourself run and find other weapons with tennis balls as well. And among these weapons was a crossbow, a rocket launcher, a cannon, a pistol, and three hand grenades. Yes, all of this would be incredibly problematic to the weenies on Twitter in 2020. Let's be completely honest. But I gotta, I'll got i just say, the Titan Games, as we get out of here and close out this silly episode of Locked on Mizzou, if I have one piece of advice for the Titan Games, more rock, less announcers other than the rock, Oh, also less, there's also too much college game day style fluff, to be honest. I don't need all these puff pieces. So less of that and more tennis balls being fired in excess of 100 miles an hour. Those are my notes, people at NBC and Dwayne Johnson. Oh, and Danny Garcia as well. So with all that being said, check out my friends over at Locked On NFL. Well, they'll be sure to talk nothing but Titan Games and American Gladiators as well. So, until next time, I'm John Miller and this has been Locked on Mizzou.